Do you ever tell clients to think about baseball? <laughs> I thought it was basketball. <laughs> I've never told someone to think about baseball. <laughs> Is it basketball? See, basketball is interesting. I, I, I've, you know, I've, I've heard think about baseball. I don't know. Baseball is mm. an incredibly boring game. Maybe soccer. Some people like soccer. It's, it's pretty Golf. boring though. Golf. I think from Austin Powers, it was Margaret Thatcher naked on a cold bed. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Health is more than supplements, ripped abs, or crushing in athletics. It's a state of physical, mental, and social well-being. And it's not an end. It's the means to an end. The currency that enables us to do all the things we want to do. And the podcast is Who Cares About Men's Health? We like to give you inspiration, information, and a different interpretation to better understand and engage and feel better today and continue to be able to do those things we want to do today and in the future as well. My name is Scott. I am the manager of thescoperadio.com, and I care about men's health. And I'm Dr. Troy Madsen. I'm an emergency physician at the University of Utah, and I care about men's health. And I'm Dr. John Smith, a urologist at the University of Utah, and I care about men's health. Dr. Smith is back. It's always great having Dr. Smith on the show. Um, You know, one of our premises is here is that Whenever you talk about men's health, it seems like a lot of times it all comes back to our pieces and parts, and we are more than our pieces and parts, but sometimes we are our pieces and parts, and that's why you're here today, to help us with our pieces and parts, so thank you. (laughs) No, thanks for having me. Certain pieces and parts, yes. I I always appreciate being here. Long way around the shed for that. Um, Today it is Ask a Urologist. Uh, We like to bring in Dr. Smith to answer some of the questions that you have. A lot of different ways you can get them to us uh, through our Facebook page. You can send a private message. You can put them on the wall. You can send us an email. Hello at thescoperadio.com. Troy's got the listener line. Sometimes we get calls on the voicemail listener line. What's that number? Yeah, that number is 60155-SCOPE. All right. And uh, these questions, sometimes you might be a little bit shy uh, asking them. And if you do not want to use your uh, real name, you can use a, an alias or pseudonym, you know, like some sort of a generic name like John Smith. <laughs> Love I want it. people calling in to tell us it's Scott Singfield. <laughs> I don't. I don't want that. That's what I mean. I'm going to just start um, calling in and saying that. That's funny. Uh, we've got three <laughs> questions here. Uh, question number one for Dr. John Smith is, strangely enough, from somebody named John Smith, using a uh, pseudonym there, uh, we think. Wow. Uh, do exercises for premature ejaculation work? So sometimes you might get mails, emails, you might hear people talking. Uh, is that how you handle that issue or no? It is definitely one of the ways that we handle uh, premature ejaculation. Um, there's behavioral topical therapies, uh, like behavioral psychological topical therapies, and then oral therapies that we use. But I'll go over some of the uh, behavioral therapies um, that actually I've seen patients utilize and actually find benefit from. So one of them is is called the uh, pause and squeeze or the squeeze technique. Um, if you're someone who you know, kind of struggles with this. Uh, the way you would do that is when you feel the sensation that ejaculation is imminent, um, you stop sexual intercourse and squeeze the head of the penis until the sensation to ejaculate goes away. Physically. Physically. Okay. Uh, and then once that urge is gone, then you can resume sexual activity and that can help you kind of elongate that sexual uh, experience. Um, there's also the stop-start technique. Uh, that's kind of exactly what it sounds like. Um, you stop penile stimulation uh, until the urge to ejaculate uh, goes away. Again, when ejaculation feels like it's imminent right on the doorstep, you just kind of cease, kind of just pull back, um, wait for that to go away, and then uh, 
reintroduce yourself into the into the sexual encounter. Um, and uh, the third one, they they call the the quiet vagina, or that's the way it was described when I was in in residency and fellowship. Um, the female stops moving, and the male stops moving, um, and the until the urge to ejaculate goes away. Uh, this one I found from most of my patients tell me that's less effective for them um, because there's still some stimulation there um, being being in the the sexual act still that makes it a little bit more difficult. But if that works for you, um, then that's another one. And then uh, another one is uh, they call it sensate focusing. Uh, you kind of, the best way to, to describe this would be to kind of just start with non-sexual stimulation, but stimulating yourself where you have, you, you have sexual self-awareness by gradually progressing from non-sexual touching to sexual touching and, and then into the act of, of sexual intercourse itself um, to try to kind of ease things up and, and get the body more acclimated to a longer lasting um, sexual encounter. Um, some people would just call that foreplay. Um, but if you wanted to get the $500 term for it, that's what we'd call it. <laughs> that um, was the medical sc- term, right, medical right. school issue I mean, term. It's, it's, it's pretty much that. <laughs> so, you know, those are the options that for most po- most folks that will will offer to them to kind of try and see if they work. And then beyond that, um, there are some topical uh, things that patients can use. I don't know if you wanted me to talk about any of that stuff, but we can go into any of that that you wanted. Yeah, I think I think just knowing that there's some stuff out there. So there's some things you can do in the moment, it sounds like. And then there's some uh, topical things that would make you less sensitive, I'd imagine. Uh, Those things in the moment uh, over time will then you be able to build up uh, endurance if you do those or. So it generally does help to to continue those things. And once you kind of get your body acclimated to that, uh, you have to do them less often, uh, and sometimes hopefully not at all. Um, but I've had a lot of patients who said they've had success when they've actually tried and and performed those. Um, I've heard some guys say that just even talking about it to their partner has helped because some of it can just be in the brain. It can be psychological. And once you kind of share that fear or whatever, uh, that it can just kind of go away. So I don't know if there's any validity to that. It's worked for a couple of guys I know, but yeah, I think it, it definitely can be. One of the things we always offer uh, anybody who's having any sexual dysfunction uh, one way or another is is an opportunity to talk to a sex therapist because sometimes that can help. Having open, honest communication with your partner is also nice. Um, I have a couple of patients who've also said that uh, when, they're, when their uh, partner also s- talks to them, kind of maybe a little dirty talk during, during uh, sexual intercourse, that that can make the sexual encounter shorter for them. So they've asked their partner to, to kind of quiet mm. down because they're a very visual and audio stimulated person where that can make things worse too. So anything that you can do to try to, to help with that situation, I think is worth a shot. So. All right. Uh, what about like keg- Kegel exercises? Do those work? So is that how you pronounce that? Yeah. Kegel, Kegel, I mean, I think you could say tomato, tomato. It, it doesn't really matter. People understand what we're talking about. And at the end of the day, any you can try that. I, I don't know that that's as effective as the other things that we mentioned, but I think that's something that can you can try. And again, if it's, if it's beneficial for you, then, then I would say continue it. All right, question number two. Uh, when I pee, this is from John Smith. Uh, when I pee, I often get two streams going which can be problematic because I don't know where to aim. Seriously, though, uh, what's happening? What's going on there if you get two streams? So there's there's a couple of things that can can be going on here. Some of them are nothing to worry about, and other ones are, are things you may want to come in and have an evaluation for. 
Um, you know, some people may say, well, just sit down then that'll just remedy the situation and it won't matter. Um, but in reality, I'll kind of go over some of the things that, uh, that we know. So sometimes there can be an adhesion, uh, not a long-term adhesion, not something that stays there, but something that kind of is transient and, and is gone within a day or so. Um, that's where a piece of the urethra kind of sticks to itself, generally towards the head of the penis more likely. Oftentimes this can be like a dry ejaculate. Um, so you, you may wake up in the morning and know that you've had a split stream um, and the urethra is not able to fully open because of that dried ejaculate that's there or something else that's just caused us a small adhesion that does remedy itself. You may notice that it happens only in the morning when you wake up to urinate or after a certain amount of time, uh, but it, it, it remedies itself throughout the day. If this is something that's more of a chronic problem, like you noticed it and it was a chronic issue that's always happening, that can be something like a urethral stricture or a narrowing of the uh, of the urethra um, that that would benefit from being able to come in and and have a uh, an evaluation for. Another something that could do that would be meatal stenosis. If you notice the opening of the penis, we call that the meatus. If you notice that that looks different than it's looked before, uh, where you may have had an injury to that area or something where it's kind of scarred down, that can cause kind of a, dis a disruption of a normal urinary flow and cause splitting or spraying uh, of the urine stream. Um, for uncircumcised men, if they have phimosis, that's, an, that's when you can't retract the foreskin to see the head of the penis that can cause it kind of a shower uh, effect or a split stream. Um, some men who have an enlarged prostate, um, they note that they have, um, a little bit of a, of a, a different stream because the pressure, uh, coming out is, is a little bit more. And so it tends to spray cause it opens the meatus a, a little differently than it did before. Those are the major things. Um, urethral polyps are a more, much more rare something that could be going on that you'd want an evaluation for. So that's kind of a, that's not an exhaustive list, but it's most of the things that I would see, you know, some of those things I would see once every five years and some of those things I would see multiple times a year that are problematic. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like some of those are things where, you know, people may notice it, it may come and go, but other times is more your takeaway. If it's there all the time, you probably need to do something about it where some of this stuff might come and go and not be an issue. Exactly. If it's, if it's there and it's something that's more, that's there more often than not come in and, and kind of be evaluated. If it's something that happens every once in a while, it's, it's majority of the time, it's nothing. Um, it, it's just that adhesion that goes away within a day or so. And you may notice it once every so often. Uh, but when it becomes a more chronic issue that it's happening more and more frequently, then you definitely want to come in and, and have it evaluated. I had no idea there were so many reasons you might have two streams. I thought that there was going to be one, but it sounds like, yeah, that's interesting. All right. Question number three. And um, well, I'll throw it out there. Question number three, does wave therapy really work for erectile dysfunction? That is from John Smith. Uh, Dr. Smith and I did a scope piece on this. So we have a full length scope piece where we talked about wave therapy and how to make that evaluation, whether or not that's something you want and how to ask the right questions. But let's just briefly cover it here on this podcast. And if you want more information, you can go to the scoperadio.com and do a search for it. So Dr. Smith. Sure. So there's multiple different kinds of wave therapy. Uh, you may listen to the radio. You may see things on TV. Um, there's an acoustic style wave therapy, and then there's a low intensity 
uh, shockwave therapy. They are not equivalent. They're not the same. Um, the low intensity shockwave does have research behind it that shows that it is beneficial for erectile function to help with the regrowth of, of blood vessels and help to um, improve erectile function. Um, again, there are caveats to all of these things, but the acoustic waves don't have any data that shows that they're effective for uh, erectile function. Um, there are some other studies outside of the uro- of urology that show that it can have some benefit there, but in the urologic sphere, it's not been shown to be effective. And so the answer is yes, but you got to be very uh, honest with the patients and let them know because it's not for every patient. It's for someone with mild to moderate erectile dysfunction, uh, not somebody who has a severe erectile dysfunction after they may have had like a prostatectomy or something like that. Those patients oftentimes don't see any benefit. But the folks with a mild to moderate erectile dysfunction, there is some emerging literature and data that shows that it's very helpful. By acoustic waves, you're talking about just like ultrasound, like people are putting ultrasound on and saying this is helping? Yeah, it's more of a a sound wave. Sometimes it's called a gains wave or, uh, you know, an acoustic wave. It's a very different waveform than a low intensity shock wave. Hmm. But bottom line is acoustic waves don't work, shock waves do. They do. Again, you got to be judicious about the people that you you do uh, treat with it. Um, and, you know, we've we have one at the university. Actually, we just uh, uh, obtained it a couple of months ago and we've started using it on a few patients. Uh, we've had a few good outcomes so far. Um, and so, you know, as we continue down that road, maybe we'll we'll put out some some more literature here in the future uh, with with how how the uh, how things are going. Given some of the stuff I see in the ER, I'm going to add the caveat. Don't try it at home. Um, right. (laughs) Yeah. That's always a very good lesson to learn is don't try this at home. (laughs) Electricity might help, but don't try it at home. (laughs) Uh, the thing I learned from the conversation that I had that you could go listen to the whole thing with Dr. Smith is that there are kind of a lot of different reasons for in a different conditions of erectile dysfunction. There's a lot of different treatments and really you should have somebody that knows how to navigate that, like a urologist, like Dr. Smith to kind of work you through that sort of thing. That's what I ended up with. And if wave therapy is kind of where you end up, then that's great. But I think that discussion needs to happen. And I think Dr. Smith would agree with me on that. I would agree 100%. Um, it's something where if you do have issues or concerns, definitely following up with someone who who does it on a regular basis and, and is reputable to, to take care of you. All right, there you go. Three questions, man. Bam, 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 and done. Nice work. Done. We just need to tell our listeners there are other pseudonyms besides John Smith, Scott. So we can get the word out there. Try Scott Singpill next right. time. It's a it, it's a very common name. You could use that one. No very one common. I think Troy Madsen. Very, very common. Scott Singpill is just yeah. I know a lot of Scott Singpills. So anyway. Doctor Smith, thank you for being on the show and thank you for caring about men's health. Hey, thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for checking out the podcast. If uh, you enjoyed this particular episode, do us a favor: subscribe or. If uh, there's somebody in your life you think would find this episode useful, share the word with them. On Who Cares About Men's Health, just kind of give you a brief overview. Uh, We talk about the core four plus one more to stay healthy now and in the future. And we do episodes based on nutrition, activity, sleep, emotional health, and genetics. We also do shows like this, which are very specific to men. We call Men's Health Essentials. So answering the questions that men would have about their health. And we also have a show called The Sideshow, which is just us having a little bit of fun. So if you like this episode, check out some of the other men's health essentials, especially with Dr. Smith. Uh, 
or check out some of our other flavors as well so we can help you care about your health. Be sure to check the show links. We'll have uh, links to anything that we talked about in the show uh, in addition to links to contact us. Thanks for listening to the podcast and thanks for caring about men's health.